From the offices of Millennium Magazine, it's the IGN Digigods. And now, please welcome two men who were beaten up by the girl with the dragon tattoo, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. I would love to be beaten up by uh, Numi Rapace and not so much uh, Mara Rooney. Uh, Corey, who sent that in? That funny stuff was brought to you by Tim Easley. Now all I can think of is piercings. <laughs> well, all right. Now, now all Corey can think about is piercings. You know, speaking of Numi Rapace, yes, she starred in a film. No, really? I mean, no, the other one, the, the Mara Rooney. She starred in a film directed by David Fincher. Yes, she did. Now, you and I have differing opinions. About Gone Girl. On Gone Girl. Yes. Which, by the way, our, our opinions are not as differing as you think. Well, no, but, but you read the book. I read the book, and I would definitely recommend the movie, which, yeah. by the way, was number one at the box office, barely beating out Annabelle. I mean, come on, people. What are you seeing the horror movie with the dog? People, seriously. God damn it. Yeah. People piss me off. Anyway, <laughs> Gone Girl liked it a lot. It was fine. I, like, I, I thought it was great. At my issue with it, I thought it was absolutely terrific. Okay, Ben Affleck, never been better, never been better. No, I agree, totally. Ro- Roseman Pike, perfect casting, perfect, yeah. perfect. Yeah. I'm going to say something that no one else has said. I'm going to say that. Okay, the woman who played the detective, the woman who played the sister, yeah, miscast. TV people, okay, d- didn't like them. Okay, they're they the, looks like a Law and Order. Okay, now some of that is Fincher. I, I, I like the I like the sister. I thought she was great. She, you know what? She looked the part. But, but the thing with Fincher is that he doesn't give you a lot of room to move as a performer. You pretty much have to do the Fincher thing. Yeah. His movies aren't loosey-goosey. And that was a loosey-goosey character who needed a little bit less you know, hemmed in in that Fincher way. Yeah. So it may not have been her. It may have just been the way she was directed. Neil Patrick Harris. I get the casting. He was terrible. Oh, I thought he was great. No. I, I get it because that sort of... His speaking persona of, playing that part is a little off, speaking, and I guess Speaking that. of Neil Patrick Harris, it, yes. not that he's in it, but he's mentioned it. You, you've seen the Key and Peele thing on, uh, on how to behave at a gay wedding? I have not. Oh, it's so funny. Will uh, Neil Patrick Harris be there? Oh, dookie. It's very funny. Uh, <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that I felt, and Tyler Perry, by the way, don't like Tyler Perry movies. He's or great. He's a businessman. Don't like his movies. Uh, don't want to see him in, in that horrible, that detective thing where you try to be dramatic. Yeah. In this film, like my favorite thing in it. Right, he, he was good. Yeah, he was, you know, he was the one who felt even a little bit, a little bit like he wasn't constrained by Fincher. I know. In I mean, performance-wise, my issue with the film is that to me, and again, this is having read the book, so I might be a little, little uh, prejudiced. I felt like Fincher was a little too much involved in the procedural aspects of it, where the, what the movie is really about is uh, who we are and who we pretend to be in order to. Being yes. married, being in a relationship. It's more than that. It's it's it, it the, the movie. Well, we're talking too much about regular movies, but it's <laughs> it is it, it, it's it's a very special student for movies. It's back. It five goes. Yeah, I, I just thought. I just thought as a along, especially with the Jason Reitman film, which I also think the world of. I think it's a, it's a, it's an interesting. They're an interesting pair of movies about the media and how it affects our lives and how it's affecting our relationships and how it's it's affecting the way we think of ourselves and see ourselves. I think all that stuff is amazing. I think both of them are outstanding. Well, I would love for you to watch. Um, yeah. By the way, I, I did not throw that pen in a passive-aggressive oh, way a, to tell me to that's a, write that's that okay. thing for me, please. That's okay. I that's just okay. happened to get it out of my way. That's fine. It just was, it, okay. you know. I understand. Um, it, it was like a dagger in my heart. Uh, so I liked it a lot. Yeah. Get it. 
I, I really did like it a lot. Sure. But I'm just saying that there was some stuff going on there that I felt it was not overpraised, but I felt like the material was a little bit beneath him. Zodiac, I understand. Sure. Social Network, I understand. Even Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which which was also was a little bit hired handy, I understand. This one, I felt that the movie needed him more than he needed to direct this movie. Right? The movie needed him to direct sure. it more than he needed to direct Gone Girl. And if you, but if, if I just felt like I didn't feel him really going for broke, either emotionally or visually. The, the, the screw-turning aspects are inherent in the material no matter who directs it. He didn't give me much else beyond that. Well, let's start off with movies. <laughs> well, are we talking about movies? I mean, you know, d- DVD, DVD movies. By the way, we, we, we have a winner of the, uh, the uh, Transformers bag. Yeah, that's great. And may I say... That the, um, yeah, I don't know no, if I would no, call that person a winner, but uh, well, sure. you know, I have to say that because uh, you know we, we don't lie here on the big show. Yeah. Uh, uh, turnout was underwhelming. <laughs> it was an underwhelming amount of people who uh, tried to uh, <laughs> yeah. win the bag, but uh, we do have a winner. It's uh, Caleb Kennard. Good. So well, Caleb Kennard. Caleb, uh, I apologize. Yeah, uh, he gets one bag, and the uh, the two runners up get uh, two bags. No, um, they get nothing. So uh, Caleb, congratulations! Your bag is uh, on the way. Uh, it's actually right here. Yep. Whoa. I will send this out. Uh, we'll send this out in the next couple of days, and you will have it. Oh. Okay. So. Poor guy. We, now uh, this movie came out. Uh, 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 this movie is not new, right? This movie came out a while ago. <laughs> this, wait, this, this Blu-ray didn't come out just like today. Yeah. Well, it, it it's, it's it's within the last week or two. Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's the very controversial new Tom Cruise movie, which I bet you never heard of, called Live, Die, Repeat. Who knew Tom Cruise did a whole movie? And we had never so even heard of it. Crazy. It's crazy. So live, die, repeat. So they did this. This is maybe. This is not new. This is, of course, we're talking about Edge of Tomorrow, and this is not a new thing where studios change the title of a movie between the time that it it does it underperforms in theaters and, and the time that they want to you know not remind people of how it underperformed on home video. So but they a Tom it. They Cruise changed. movie. But it's it is certainly the highest profile film that I can remember this happening to. Uh, yeah. I agree, and you know what? I I, um, I, I did like the film fine. I, I people, I, I felt the movie was, was kind of overpraised. I mean, I liked it fine. It's fun, a little Twilight Zone science fictiony thing. You want me to present my theory on this? Uh, please, of wait. course you do. That's what the whole show. No, I won't. I'm just going to shut up for the whole show. <laughs> this is what I do. <laughs> got a microphone. Our dream in, comes true. Got a microphone in front. <laughs> yeah, I got a microphone in front of me, and I got. A, a lot of uh, people who un- unfortunately don't have anything better to do than to listen to us. So here we go. I'm going to pontificate. Um, uh, you, if, when you live in Soviet Russia and for your entire life you have been fed uh, basically really bad bread and stale water and then somebody comes along and offers you like a, a week old <laughs> a Snickers bar, that is filet mignon to you. That is the greatest thing you have ever had. And uh, it, it, you, you suddenly you just you can't believe how good it is. Those of us who actually you know get proper meals on a daily basis, we realize it's just a Snickers bar. What's happened here is we have been so deprived of decent science fiction movies and proper summer tent poles, and especially really good Tom Cruise movies, that suddenly something comes along that is kind of a it's not a shadow of its former self, but it's like uh, you know uh, maybe sixty percent there. And suddenly we just can't. It, it's like all the memories come flooding back, and our sense memory of what it was like when we used to get these kinds of movies, is it, it like it just it overwhelms us. So I don't think it's as good as everyone felt it was. It's just that it made made you remember how good that kind of movie could be. 
That is true. Would you not have liked to see somebody like uh, like the Starship Troopers era Paul Verhoeven direct this? Oh, my gosh. It would have been outstanding. How awesome would that Yeah, be? that would have been great. Um, yeah, so anyway, Tom Cruise plays a guy who is uh, fated to uh, live the same day over and over again in the middle it's of the alien like, invasion it's, thing. It's exactly what it would be. It's, it's Groundhog Day meets, like, Independence Day. Yes, that is true. That's what it is. So uh, I think this is a perfectly acceptable Saturday night rental. Go get yourself a pizza, a couple little, beers. A little, little touch of the Matrix in there, too. Touch of the Matrix. Like, yeah. A perfectly acceptable Saturday night rental. I just think it was a bit overpraised. I think, uh, and or as way to saying, uh, we've been fed such crap over the last few months, if not few years, that when something... That's average comes out. We think it's the greatest thing ever. Now the uh, it's got the uh, 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 picture quality is amazing. The audio quality is amazing. It's got some pretty decent extras. Um, picture quality, I would I would even say is almost too amazing because some of the CGI, shockingly for a movie of the, with these credentials and probably because they rushed it, some of the CGI ain't so good. And well, that it, well, it, and it, it's it's it, very it obvious. That. It betrays that. It really does. When the uh, when the when the uh, transfer is almost too good. Yeah. It betrays some of those. Because yeah. uh, you know what? Because because the because the, the monsters or the aliens look a little bit mm. video gamey. Yep. You know, but again, uh, it's perfectly average, serviceable Tom Cruise movie. Tom Cruise, pretty much the only movie star left, except maybe Denzel Washington, yeah. especially after Edge of Tomorrow. But you know. With Tom Cruise, not to get off on Tom Cruise. Wait, Mel, uh, Mel Gibson's not a movie star anymore? No, not, not really. Uh, he, he hates the Jews. Um, I, I, I did not see him at, uh, at Yom Kippur services the other day. I'm sorry, I did not. I have to say. Although, you know, it's funny. At the Yom Kippur services that I, yeah. I went to. Oh, you, and you did go? Well, I did because... Uh, there was food? No. Well, my oldest friend in the whole wide world, pretty yeah. much my sister, is the cantor. Not yeah. my actual sister, but she, I've known her for my whole life. She's the cantor. It's at the temple. Yeah. And so it's one of those like Hollywood temples where like, Oh, you know, I, met, I met her. Yes, you did. I did. Um, yes. And that's why I went because she yes. was Yom Kippur and it was. Sure. Anyway. So um, it was very funny uh, uh, just hearing her read the names. Actually, it was the rabbi who read the names of the people who had died in the previous year. Oh, my word. And they're people who either were of the congregation or were extended friends or family of congregants. And two of those names were Joan Rivers and Robin Williams. And you just feel like such a Hollywood douchebag when you're like sitting there. Yeah. You want to just, you know, Happy New Year, the Jewish holiday, sacred, holy high holidays. And, and, and you still can't get away from Joan Rivers and Robin Williams. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's a sacred day. No, I mean, not, not that they weren't friends of the congregants. Yeah. If not, if, if not congregants themselves. Yeah. Uh, Robin was not a congregant of the, of yeah. the temple. Joan might have been. But uh, it was just weird. Well. And we are, we're back to the old microphone uh, situation again, but that doesn't mean it's going to last because I'm still on the hunt for, for, improving the, uh, for improving the scenario. Movie in your hand sucks. Anyway. It, Very disappointed. Man, Movie in your hand sucks. It really does, right? Sucks. A million ways to die in the West. Now, by the way, how much Un- are the... F- unrated. Who cares? How, it's, it's, it's terribly the way. Now, <laughs> how much do I love Family Guy? Everyone you knows love I love Family Guy, guy I right? I you do. How I much did I like, sit in the front row for this screening? And literally, 10 minutes in, you're like, 10 minutes in, you're like, this is not going to work. It's just no. not. You can tell already. Well, it's not going to work. Could I, Funny could, stuff in it, but it's could just I give terrible. You one, could I give you a, a, a really big reason why it, it doesn't work? Uh, it's not funny? Yeah, Seth MacFarlane is not a, is, I mean, is not a leading man. No. I mean, come on, it's, people. It, the, 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 the hubris, or the hubris, however you prefer to pronounce it, uh, has officially gone too far. And I think it went that far. It, it's been going there. Like, some, some people just cannot be content to write and produce and direct. They've got to get themselves in front of the camera. They have this longing to be movie stars. Tarantino was one of them. I re- 
thank goodness he hasn't really done a lot of acting other than a part in in uh, for another director, obviously, but his own script uh, uh, for in that little bit as George Clooney's brother in um, uh, *Dust Till Dawn* for Rodriguez. But and he was good in that. I, I give him credit. But he doesn't make himself the star of his movies. Okay, *Kill Bill* doesn't star Quentin Tarantino, right? Thank goodness. Um, but he really shouldn't act a lot. It, not anymore, no. especially after that last little bit in, in Django. Now, now he, it, it, I wish that that message would get through to Seth MacFarlane. Because he's not funny. With the, with the singing and the lounge thing and maybe the albums. No, yeah, but, no, the but, then, but then he hosted the Oscars. And now he thinks that he's like a personality. He just, dude, go, take a page... Take a page from other film, uh, from other comedy writers and directors. Take a page from, uh, you know, what's his name? At, uh, Steve Mel, Jimmy Jack, Joe, Virgin. Jeff, Judd, uh, uh, Virgin. Judd, Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow. Take a page from Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow knows better than to put himself in front of a camera. That is true. Okay? Yeah, but here's the thing, though. Puts his wife, he puts his wife in front of the camera. I know. No, but McFarlane started as a voice actor. So already he, he figures himself he's a voice actor. I know, he, but... The, the, uh, the lounge sing he does, to his credit, he is good at it and takes it seriously with, anyway. a, with a real sense of history. He understands okay. that, that stuff. I'll, I'll give him that stuff. A Million Ways to Die is, is bloated and there's, it's not funny. He's not good in it. And it doesn't have the snap and the sense of satire that you expect from him. It, it would, it, he wants to do a Blazing Saddles. The problem here is you and I both know the genius of Blazing Saddles is not that it just goes completely where nobody expects it to go. It goes completely overboard and off the wall. It veers into places, it, it, into self-referential meta-satire that no movie prior to Blazing Saddles ever did. I mean, it is just biting. It is cutting. It is, de- it is a definitive comedy of the 1970s. But the, thing other, the other thing about Blazing Saddles, that movie has a joke like every four and a half seconds. Something wacky, funny, unpredictable is happening constantly in that movie. There's too much attempt to sort of build jokes in here. There's too much, like, sitcom sensibility, you know? He's sort of trying to build these... And, and it has this lethargic sensibility to it. It just... He, well, well, here's he the wants, thing. He wants his scenes with Charlize Theron to linger so that he can kind of wink at the audience and go, eh, 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 okay. I'm, on, I'm on screen with Charlize Theron. And, and I, don't, I don't care. Here's, here's the difference. Blazing Saddles, 95 minutes. Million Ways to Die in the West, All right. 116 minutes. I know. That is 20 minutes more. Yeah. Okay? So you better be damn funny. And also when... It, and it's, of it's, that it's, 95 it's, minutes, about 10 of it is like uh, people on various sets doing slapstick on the, yeah. on the, on the soundstage. So, and also, because you mentioned Blazing Saddles, you know, Mel Brooks, he had like two scenes in Blazing Saddles. Mm-hmm. He's the governor, right? With the, right. With the thing that says gov on it. Yeah. And, you know. I mean that's it. That's it. He he knows that that's he does a little cameo, gets a couple laughs, he's out the door, and then yeah. he leaves it leaves it to everyone else. Seth MacFarlane has to be in all 116 minutes of this I movie. I know. Anyway, funny stuff in it. There's probably a really hilarious 45 minute cut of this movie somewhere. Uh, yeah. Anyway, okay. well Liam Neeson, it, Liam Neeson, I enjoyed, but he's you know, he's there doing a caricature of himself. All right, keep rolling. We got a lot to talk about. Wait. Oh my gosh, we sure do. Yes, we do. Okay, uh, let's see. Moving along. Um, rolling, what? rolling, rolling, rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? Uh, uh, Cold in July. I want to talk about Cold in July. Because uh, Cold in July is actually a cool little thriller. Did you see Cold in July by I chance? Did not. Jim, I did uh, not. Jim Mickles' film. I did not. Okay, so here's the here's the thing. 
Um, this is like you know, noir has become a thing uh, now. That's that's you know, we don't have noir films that take place in cities anymore. I don't know if you've noticed this. Noir is a a rural thing now. It takes place in the mountains and in the Appalachians, and everything is everything noir now takes place in like little mining colonies, and it, it it's does? just it's yeah. Haven't you noticed this? <laughs> you haven't paid attention. Not. No, I have not noticed okay. that. All right. Well, anyway, the uh, <laughs> you made that up. No, it's true. I've been saying this on radio for for the longest time. It's like all, every every time a movie comes out that's like some noir, it takes place in you know some kind of little Appalachian out outback thing. It's it, it has become very rural. Um, You're out of your mind. No, it, I'm dead serious. So anyway, Cold in July is uh, is from Jim Mickle, who um, has done work previously. Uh, probably this is probably going to put him a little bit over the top. Um, what I like about this is Sam Shepard and Don Johnson. I think they're awesome. What I don't like about it so much is Michael C. Hall, uh, who, of course, was Dexter. And I, I, he feels miscast here. I don't know if it's the hair. I don't know what it is. No, here's the, uh, here's, here's the thing here. The, this is about a guy. How do I say this without giving anything away? Um, he, he's a... He dies at the end. He kills a burglar. Uh, and then is uh, who, it, it, it like straight up kills the guy like burglaring burglarizing his house right? So what you're saying is he kills a guy. He kills a guy. So what you're saying is he kills a guy. And then becomes very frightened. Does he kill a guy? He kills a guy. And now is he frightened after he kills the guy? Well, or hold before on. He kills the hold guy? on. Here's the thing. He, he he kills a guy and then becomes very frightened because the guy is the authorities tell him that the guy is the son of another guy who just got out of prison, played by Sam Shepard. Who is a really bad dude, and then Sam Shepard starts kind of terrorizing him. Right, he shows up at the funeral, and there's like a whole weird thing that's going on. And then there are some twists, and I won't divulge what the twists are, but they're really interesting. And where this film goes is very cool and very classic noir. And you will not believe how good Don Johnson is in this movie. Don Johnson is. He is what a absolute, great cast. Do you man, Don Johnson? I'm telling you, rules. Don Johnson has not had something this juicy and this fun and this good in a long time. Oh, come and on. He, he was in, uh, in uh, Inglorious Bastards. He was awesome. Oh, well, yeah, I guess he was. Yeah, but, but yeah. He, 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 he's great here. He's really terrific. Uh, so anyway, um, really, really fun. I really enjoyed it. All right, so so that's Cold in July. It's a cool little thriller. Uh, you got a, a, several commentaries on here. You've got some pre-visualization tests, uh, deleted scenes, and a wonderful isolated score. Um, didn't this didn't really you know knock the, knock anything upside down? Uh, it, it came out from IFC, and IFC doesn't really do anything with their films. But honestly, Cold in July, uh, just just for Sam Shepard and for Don Johnson, it's worth checking out alone. It's really really good. Uh, speaking of worth checking out, Wade, we have a little thing called The Obvious Child, or just Obvious Child. And uh, I like this film. This is um, this was written and directed uh, by uh, uh, Gillian Robespierre, possibly Gillian Robespierre. I'm not really sure. This is uh, an expansion of a, a 2009 short of the same name. This uh, stars Jenny Slate, who, like on Monday, no one knew who Jenny Slate was. On Tuesday, everyone talked about how much they loved Jenny Slate. Well, uh, she's completely fine as a stand-up comic uh, who is going to have to grow up just a little bit when she uh, winds up with an unwanted pregnancy. Hmm. Very interesting stuff. So anyway, it's very, you know what, it's very raunchy. And it's, it, 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 at first you're a little bit like, oh, stand-up comic. It's just another, it's just another way to hang raunchy jokes. It's just, you're, like, you're like, this is just going to be terrible. But as it goes along and she has to deal with this unwanted pregnancy, sort of these 
layers of vulnerability are revealed as she realizes that she has to become a little bit more of a grown-up. And the movie becomes very appealing. And I thought it was terrific. I was surprised. It totally grows on you. It is a romantic comedy in the sense that it has the beats of romantic comedy. There's a love interest involved. Um, And so I found it to be very witty and increasingly warmer and warmer despite all the vulgarity and the foul mouth stuff, which is whatever, fine, but it's yeah. just at this point, that stuff is just obvious now. You know, they yeah. all do that. Just sure. Show me something else. Sure. And I think Obvious Child does that. So um, I would definitely recommend Obvious Child. And uh, there's a commentary with uh, Robespierre and uh, Jenny Slate. So op- uh, Obvious Child, good one, Brilliant. says me. Uh, less good, well, not less good, but like, meh, is uh, John Hamm's Million Dollar Arm. Now, Disney... Uh, is a veritable factory of inspirational sports movies, many of which are actually really good. I just like John Hamm, but you know, yeah, uh, not so much. I, I, this is this, this feels it's, a, just, it's just you know it is. It's very saccharine and it's very. It's funny because all of the all of the Disney sports it's fine. Films, it's fine. I, yeah. There's like nothing wrong with it. There's just nothing. In particularly super right with it. I don't know how to explain that. Well, you know what's funny is that all these Disney films, they're all very by the numbers, and they're all very saccharine, and they all come come to this big uh, you know, dramatic sports conclusion, and they're all cliched, and we get that, but somehow they're able to hide that machinery in just a lot of really professional filmmaking, and at, by the end, you know you've been manipulated, but somehow you don't care. In Million Dollar Arm, all those threads... You, you can see them. Yeah. It feels saccharine. It feels sappy. It feels by the numbers. It feels cliched. Whereas the other ones are saccharine and, sh- and sappy and cliched and by the numbers. But you're just swept up in the story. You don't care so much. This one, I have to say, I just really wasn't that into it. And I am a sucker for any baseball movie. So, you know. Um, in fact, instead of renting Million Dollar Arm, you should just go ahead, if you have Netflix, and go ahead and stream uh, the terrific documentary, baseball documentary, Battered Bastards of Baseball. Oh, gosh, is that good. Uh, really good, right? Yeah, love it. I saw that at the LA Film Festival, and then uh, Netflix picked it up, and uh, it's great. I, I covered that for uh, I covered that on Film Week. Yeah, no one cares. And, anyway, uh, that was that, that, I was shocked at how good that was. Didn't didn't know the Kurt Russell thing. I didn't know the all. The, I didn't know all the all the stuff to that. Anyway, no, it's a good movie, right? All right, Space Station seventy six. Oh my God, it's awesome! It's the greatest in the world. Come <laughs> it's, on, it's actually really funny. Awesome, it really is. You know what? You know what reminded me of? Remind me of Quark. Yeah. You remember Quark? Sure. Yeah. I mean, Richard Benjamin? Like, yes. No, this is, uh, it, we so, so needed to have something that just kind of, just drained, every, just drained the whole science fiction genre, you know, or as the, as the British would say, took the piss out of it for a change. We've needed that for a long time. Spaceballs didn't do it, to go back on our Mel Brooks theme for the well, day. Spaceballs was too silly. Space Station 76 yeah. is not it's, silly. No, it's not. It's just a really great straight-up satire. And uh, it basically, it, it, the whole idea here is if, if, this, if there had been a movie, if there had been a serious film made in 1970 about what the future was going to look like, this might have been that movie. Yeah. But now... As a movie about a vision of the future, as sort of filtered through seventy sensibilities in the past, it just comes off as just straight up hilarious satire, and it's really funny. It's really it's, funny. It's very funny. And, and you know what? For those who grew up during that time and remember what remember shows like that, how they looked, how they felt, the actors, how they were scored, the effects, 
this this is like a trip down a satiric memory lane. It's really fun. Now, let me say this: uh, the and, and it really it picks up on all of the uh, iconography of those things. Science fiction has changed a little bit. The way that we view space and asteroids and spaceships and robots and all that stuff. It, it, space nineteen ninety nine might be a little touchstone here too, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The the suits they just feel very you know polyester. It's fantastic. So anyway, um, l- I'll say this. Liv Tyler, haven't seen her in a million years. Uh, it's good to see her back. She's really good in this. She's pregnant again. Uh, is she really? Yes, she is. Wow. I know these things. Matt Bomer did not know that he could be... I mean, obviously, you know, I've, I've seen him on TV, and he's fine, and he's got those piercing eyes, and it's usually pretty serious, and he's charming, but I didn't realize he had this extra gear. But who? It, Patrick Wilson makes this movie. You put a porn star mustache on that guy, suddenly he's, he's got hilarious. comedy chops. <laughs> he does. You know what it is? It's like he, he, he puts the porn mustache on, and somehow he becomes that guy. He does. It's great. It, that, but actors love that. when they, you, The hair, the costume, the whole, the, the, the accoutrements, and they can somehow, you know... Well, what's that? What's that? Uh, there's a theory, the theory between how British actors approach roles and how American actors approach well, roles. Well, technical versus uh, method is usually the way, but it's you know yeah, not all. Where, where, where one needs the costume and then they, yeah. they, they they need the limp and they need the hat yeah. and they need the thing in order to get into it, whereas the other one just takes it from the inside out. Yeah, totally. Okay, Wade. Um, uh, if you want to see some great acting, Sharknado two. The second one, yeah, and uh, I mean, you know, it's really nothing. You, I mean, it's Sharknado. It's critic proof. <laughs> they, they look. We, you know, again, again, we know these guys. And uh, Sharknado was such a phenomenon. And well, how do you not do a Sharknado two? It didn't even need to be a movie. It could have just been Blank Leader. You had to do Sharknado two. Would the Blank Leader be directed by Mimi Leader? Go. Anyway, you know, I'm not going to say every moment is hilarious or campy or satirical or a spoof or a goof or whatever, but um, it's Sharknado 2, folks. It's uh, funny and campy and uh, ridiculous and meta-ridiculous and kind of hilarious and really silly, and it's Sharknado 2. Come on, folks. What do you expect? Yeah. Uh, we've got a little movie called Lucky Them, which is really all about the cast in this case. Uh, this is also from IFC by way of MPI. Uh, but this was released as, as somewhere, I guess, as an IFC film. Did this get a theatrical? I don't. I don't. I, I don't think it did. Something tells me it did, but in a, in a super, super limited way. Um, well, anyway, so Tony Collette, who doesn't get nearly enough starring roles anymore, uh, is um, is sort of here, you know, trying to. Uh, she's a, she's a, a music writer, like a Rolling Stone type mm-hmm. writer. And mm-hmm. Oliver Platt is her boss, and uh, she's really trying to just give him the one heave-ho and say, this is why I'm the greatest journalist of all time. And um, that winds up putting her teamed up with Thomas Hayden Church, who is like this crazy documentary guy, and uh, they go to try to figure out what happened to this guy who disappeared, this, this sort of music icon who uh, you know, was once upon a time somebody who also just happens to have been her former boyfriend. So anyway, it's a, it, it, it sounds like a little bit of a contrived road trip. It kind of is, but Tony Collette is always wonderful. Thomas Hayden Church is hilarious. Talk about porn star mustaches. Really yeah. funny. Really funny. And uh, Oliver Platt, uh, you know, not, in, not nearly in enough of this thing, but he's always great. And uh, even though I felt like it's sort of, you know... Like fifty percent, not really fully baked. Uh, I you just enjoy watching the actors. That's all it is. 
Wait, here's an animated film that uh, probably slipped your mind, slipped your uh, slipped your view. Yeah, Jack no. and the Cuckoo Clock Heart. Actually, it didn't. <laughs> Did you not like it? It, you know, I, I liked it. It is visually, know. it is wildly imaginative, and it takes you to this whole new world. Looks like a storybook. A lot of eccentric characters. Emotionally, great Tim Burtony. Emotionally, I did not connect, and 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 I think it, I think it, it's it's a Europa Corp thing. You know, this is this is one of the Luc Besson factory products. I, for for whatever reason, I just felt like it's trying to be Tim Burtony. It's trying to be charming. But for some reason, it just feels much too constructed. I it just didn't connect. Yeah, well, because, it's nicely uh, done. I mean, it's really beautifully done. But well, that's because you're heartless. You're a heartless, yeah, uh, horrible person. I must be. Anyway, I don't know if you're familiar with the Cuckoo Clock story. It's about this uh, kid in the 1870s, and he is uh, born with a, f- a heart that is frozen solid. So his uh, the midwife uh, replaces his heart with a cuckoo clock. Yeah, and he has to live his whole life under these very specific rules. One of those rules being you can never fall in love. Kind of like Iron Man. Ooh. Iron Man can fall in love. Well, yeah, but Iron, Iron Man also has kind of a cuckoo clock heart. Oh, he Doesn't does. Doesn't he? Kind of. that thing? Interesting. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The, uh, the, um, well, here's the thing. In the movie, cuckoo clock movie, yeah. he can never, uh, he can't touch the hands of his cuckoo clock heart. Right. Now, Iron Man can touch his heart. He can pull it out. And, right? Can he pull his heart out? Well, yeah, but it has to be plugged in to so, like, like a Duracell or something. <laughs> Some like Apple. I don't thing. know. Some deal. Uh, he he can't. Uh, he has to uh, like master his his anger, his sense of anger. He maybe he, maybe right he needs to uh, maybe he needs to go to uh, Emerald City and ask the wizard for a real heart. All right, you're you're you're, you're not helping. Okay. So Wade and I split on. Maybe he Cuckoo wants to be a real boy. Oh. Wade and I split on it. I think that the visuals will uh, will I, the the visuals nice looking will, Blu-ray will get you through. Nice looking Blu-ray. Not a lot of uh, not a lot of extras or anything, but it's nice. Anyway. Uh, among our new films this week is also a documentary called Supermensch, uh, The Legend of Shep Gordon, which is the uh, very unexpected directing debut from Mike Myers, who hasn't done anything in ages. And I would have expected Mike Myers to come back and do something totally different and, in his comeback. But actually, he, th- this is interesting because he, this is very much a passion uh, project of his. Um, nobody really understands, probably most people probably don't know who Shep Gordon was you know the significance of Shep Gordon. Um, Mark, do you do you, do you did you know? Did you, I'm assuming you saw this. Uh, yes. Did you know who Shep Gordon was before you saw it? Um, I knew the name in that sort of like you know friend of a friend of a friend of a friend way, but yeah. I knew very very little about him, if anything. Okay. Well, Shep Gordon is like a legendary manager and. If you, the, the the people that he managed, music and film, it's just it's like off the chart, you know. And managers and agents are supposed to sort of be behind the scenes people. They're not supposed to really be known. So it's no it's no big deal that you didn't know. But anyway, this uh, this gets into the amazing story of Shep Gordon by way of all the people that he's rubbed elbows with and rubbed shoulders with, and uh, then you understand the name of the movie, Supermensch, because you know a mensch is a, is a I don't know how do you define a mensch. A mensch is a very uh, kind and giving person. There you go. All right. Nice. He's super mensch. So uh, a person of like uh, integrity. It it it's a it, this did the festival route. It's uh, got a, a cool and groovy vibe to it. It's a very accomplished documentary, and Mike Myers can be very very proud. Um, it makes for a really cool Blu-ray. Frankly, I'm you know not a lot of docs on Blu-ray that feel like they deserve to be on Blu-ray, but that one does. So when can I talk about some new Blu-rays coming out? Oh. What? I was going to get, I was going to get, oh, get fine, everyone now. an update do, on do it now. coming out. Do it now. 
go ahead and do it now. We got a, we got a couple more to, to uh, these kind of newish films to go through, but do, do that now. These these last couple are, uh, you know, yes, sort yes, of wait. second tier. Yes, wait. Yes. Okay. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out on Blu-ray. Yeah. And I'm saying that because you all need to uh, not rent it or buy it. December 16th. Right. That's coming out. So please go ahead and ignore that. Yeah. Uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, highly recommended by Wade and myself. Sure. December 2nd. Gotta love that. Unfortunately, just, in, just in time for the holidays. Fortunately, there's, there's a bunch of different versions of the Blu-ray coming out. There's a 3D version. There's I a know. 2D version. There's a Best Buy exclusive version, which yep. is the worst ever. Uh, not into that, but it doesn't really matter how you get it. Just please get Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um which we liked a lot. Twilight Time announced their January and February 2015 slate. Um, really good stuff, Wade. I know. Here's what they got. Yep. Purple Rose of Cairo. Yeah. One of the one of the best Woody Allen films of that decade. Yep. It kills me that Twilight, and thank God they are, but it kills me Twilight Time is, has to release that. The other Blu-ray, which I cannot wait for, is Love and Death. Funniest Woody Allen film ever. Yep. Love it. Um, also, Zardoz yeah. is coming out. Twilight Time, thank you very much. To Sir With Love. And also, uh, Lenny. Now, Lenny is... Uh, actually, I have that on DVD. It's a great film. It is Dustin Hoffman playing Lenny Bruce. So you got also Breaking Away. So you got Purple Rose of Cairo and Love and Death. Those are two must-buy Woody yep. Allens coming out on Blu-ray. Thanks to the folks at Twilight Time. You've also got uh, Breaking Away, uh, Lenny... Uh, and uh, Zardoz. So nice. That's Twilight Time. That's a lot of good recommendations there for the first quarter of 2015. And um, also, interesting, as we were getting a couple of uh, emails about this, Criterion announced on its blog that certain discs on its catalog... I was going to bring this up later too, but that's fine. Just say it now, Wade. Come well, on. This well, this, this was an issue on the, on the, the, uh, the Facebook page. And uh, there are certain Criterion titles that uh, apparently are defective. Howard's End. Howard, they, 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 it, it somehow got things got screwed up in the manufacturing process. So uh, I'll tell you what they are. Go with. ahead, go ahead, fire away. So not fair. You like saying everything. Howard's End. Fun. What else? M. Yeah. Paris, Texas. Mm-hmm. Parole Fou. Yep. Seven Seal. Yeah. Summer Hours. Mm-hmm. Walkabout. Yep. It's those. Those seven. So, so yeah, it, you can you can get replacement discs. Yes. You just take the disc out of the case, put it in an envelope or in a padded thing or whatever, and send it in. There's a guy, uh, John Mulvaney, on Park Avenue yep. South, not the Park Avenue with all the fancy houses. This is Park Avenue South in New York. Send it to him, just the disc, not the packaging. Yep. And then uh, don't forget to send the address to which you would like the mail, like the replacement disc yes. sent, and then they will send you a new one. Bingo. Yay. Love those Criterion guys. Yep. They, they, awesome. they, they, uh, they, they make it right. They make it yep. right. Yep. So that's it, Wade. All right. So anyway, uh, we've got a couple of films just to really quickly hear. Uh, set in the motocross world is a little film called Hellion, uh, which has a surprisingly really solid... Uh, this is by a filmmaker named Kat, Ch- Kat Candler. Don't, I assume that's a woman. Don't know for sure. It's a good thing that I don't know for sure because uh, there's no indication of gender in the way this film is made, and that's, that's really nice. Aaron Paul, uh, Juliette Lewis is always weird, so I, she didn't work for me in this, but uh, Aaron Paul is incredibly good in this. 
And this is one of these movies that takes place in rural Texas, and it's you know it's a it's a motocross world, and uh, it's 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 not my world. I'll tell you, anything to do with motocross in Texas doesn't really uh, has no emotional connection to me. But that being said, um, I, I got to tell you this: I found this to be really really uh, interesting, and uh, you know. Uh, Kind of absorbing and grossing. Uh, so Aaron Paul has a couple of sons. He's trying to raise them well, and uh, things get a little bit out of control. And it's got that volatile kind of you know um, South Texas lifestyle. And um, without giving anything away, uh, it it all eventually gets to a motocross championship thing. But. Man, Aaron Paul is really, really good, and I hope this uh, puts him on somebody else's radar so that he can do more films, because he shouldn't just be a TV guy. I agree. Good family drama. What else we got? Good family drama. Um, the List with uh, Sienna Guillory, Anthony Flanagan, and Nigel Planer. Three people you always wanted to see together in a movie, didn't you, Mark? That is a negative. You know who they are, don't you? Uh, no. No, I don't either. Uh, so anyway, uh, this is uh, this is a thriller. Uh, it's a straight-to-video thriller from uh, Level Thirty Three, who does a lot of straight-to-video thrillers. And uh, it it it's it's not the greatest script, but it's a better-than-average script for a, a straight-to-video thriller. It certainly feels like uh, you know there's some potential here. And if they had had a, enough more budget, bigger bigger chunk of change to hire some name actors, this might have been like a theatrical release thing. I can sort of imagine uh, if instead of uh, you know these leads, you had like Tom Cruise and. I don't know. Let's say let's say you you know Liam Neeson, Tom Cruise, and uh, I don't know any ingenue. Uh, 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 Amelie. M- Emily Blunt. Okay. Yeah. Let's just say we we're, we're going back to our cruise thing. Yeah. If you had put those people in this thing, it would have been a big studio deal. Anyway, uh, so there's a, there's you know corruption, and you're trying to get to, to the root of corruption, and uh, it's a, it's a you know it's a, it's a very very decent thriller. Uh, you know, what, it, it's a little bit one of those on the run kind of movies, and who's screwing whom, and it gets you know the, this, there's this list, and things get up into the higher echelons of power, and it's uh, you know we've seen that thing kind of a billion times, but it, it, it's always good if it's done in an unpredictable way. I agree. All right, let's uh, Mark. Shall we do some television? I believe we should. All right. There's a lot of television we got to talk about. Wait. Well, really quickly, because this doesn't really warrant too much discussion, uh, My Little Pony, the complete original series. This is not uh, the Friendship is Magic incarnation of it. This is the original My Little Pony from the 80s that was based on the Hasbro toy. And uh, it, is, it is just as, as cloying and saccharine and irritating now as I, as I remember it being at the time. Which means that if you have, uh, if your wife or your, your mother or somebody was a little girl at the time, they will revert into their little girlness and they'll want to have a little pony that they'll be able to stroke when they watch this. It will completely take you back. Uh, the thing, I just, it's 65 episodes of just baker's sugar. It, that's all it is. It's just I don't even know. I, I, it's just it's horrific. But anyway, uh, it's out there, and it's the original series, sixty-five episodes of this crazy thing from the eighties. If you want to know how this whole all this nonsense began, Wade, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a yeah. comedy uh, on Fox that I think did uh, really overperformed. I didn't think it was really expected to do that well, but it I have did not do very seen a well. single. I have not seen a single episode. Not, so should I? Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm not a big fan of Andy Samberg, but I do like Terry Crews. That guy's hilarious. And um, I do like Andre Brower. I, you know, Andre Brower, he's such a commanding actor that yeah. I'm a little upset that he wound up, you know, doing a, you know, like a cop comedy. 
Right. But it gets them working. We're all happy. And you know what? This season has some great. It had some great uh, guest stars. Andy Richter was on it. Adam Sandler showed up. Joe Theismann showed up. Actually, Jenny Slate showed up. Yeah. So um, yeah, this is a pretty funny single camera comedy, and it's on uh, DVD from Fox, not Blu-ray. Not a big fan of that. But uh, it's good stuff. The only bonus features are uh, deleted scenes. But otherwise, you get uh, 22 uh, pretty decent episodes, I have to say. Got picked up. Won a Golden Globe. And, uh, yeah, new episodes coming up on Fox in the fall. A lot of dystopian uh, series, uh, dystopian future Earth shows on TV these days. And one of them is Defiance, which uh, we got in the second season on uh, Blu-ray. This is on sci-fi. It's a sci-fi show. And uh, so you've got, you know, the, the future, everything has changed, and uh, there's, this, there's this thing called um, Votenforming. Sounds German. Votenforming. Yeah, Votenforming. Anyway, uh, so it, which, which is sort of taken, it's changed the earth, let's just say. Anyway, it's, a, it's like a technology run amok and it's changed the earth. And Anyway, the whole, the whole uh, thing is that you, you it, it's sort of like a, a future Wild West. Uh, it's sort of like Dodge City in the future, right? It like, sounds like crap, Wade. It's aliens and humans in this, in this town called Defiance, right? So it's like, it's, it's, it's a little bit like, uh, what was the HBO show? Um, the yes. Western thing. Oh, uh, Deadwood. Deadwood. It's a little bit like Deadwood uh, sci-fi style, uh, and I, it's okay. I mean, it, it fit, like if 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 V were more like this, I might not be so down on V. Uh, so you know, uh, second season. It's got a you know a few twists and turns. Decent cast. It looks really good on Blu-ray. It's very well shot. Some nice production value. Um, feels still. You know, most science fiction on television today feels a little bit. Residual of either Star Trek Next Generation or Firefly. They seem to sort of take their cue from one of those two. This seems to take its cue a little bit from Firefly in some ways, but, uh, I, you know, um, whatever. Let's see. Anyway, the guys who made this uh, are the ones who previously did Battlestar Galactica and uh, Farscape, so there's a little bit of that in there as well. Well, you know, some of those Battlestar Galactica guys worked on Next Generation. Did they really? Yep. I didn't know that. Darn so now man. you want to like it. Not really. See, you don't want to like Battlestar Galactic because it's not like the one you grew up on in 1926. Uh, 26, it's got yeah. to be like that or it can't possibly That's be right. good. That's right. You better believe it. Uh, and we also have uh, From Dust Till Dawn Season 1 on, on Blu-ray. And uh, I don't know why this needs to be a series. Uh, didn't we have already enough vampires and all this nonsense? No. On, anyway. Because it's a, uh, it's a, it's a readily marketable uh, tri-conglomerate, tri- well, uh, vertically integrated uh, thing. Fortunately, it's, movies, it's a TV show. Fortunately, Quentin Tarantino's not in this. Because that would really, really make it bad. Uh, the bonus features are actually more interesting than the series. The series is only, this first season is, uh, is 10 episodes. Um, I don't even know if this thing got renewed. I, I really hope it didn't. Uh, it just doesn't, it, I, this story doesn't need to be a series. It just doesn't. It doesn't. There's not enough there. There was barely enough there for one film, much less you know, another film. But this just doesn't need to be a series. Uh, Robert Rodriguez and his cast uh, and producers do some you know, audio commentary on this. Big deal. Doesn't really, uh, you know, I, I didn't need that either. There's a lot of featurette stuff. That's pretty good. Um, and, um, you know, otherwise, I guess if, if you really desperately love this subject matter, I, I, I suppose there's some appeal, but it doesn't really go anywhere for me. Not really working. And then, uh, if you are a fan of Cinderella, the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical Cinderella, uh, starring the lovely Leslie Ann Warren, 
that classic is now on uh, on DVD again. It's been out before, uh, but this is a lovely 50th anniversary uh, celebration. Leslie Ann Warren, uh, incredibly, has not aged in 50 years. I don't know how that's even possible. Have you seen a picture of her lately? Have you seen her around lately? I not like lately. It's, um, it's just amazing. The woman does not age. You know, she was married to John Peters. Really? You knew that. You that didn't is, know that? I did. That was a long time ago. Yeah, I haven't thought have. about it recently, but that yeah, does explain a lot. Yeah, they have a son together. Uh, anyway, the uh, so it, Leslie Ann Warren just doesn't age, and she's lovely. She's a wonderful Cinderella. This, of course, was made for television. And uh, the songs are terrific, and the production value is very, you know, of its time. It's very 60s, uh, early 70s. Um, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I you know, you just, you, it, it's good cast. Ginger Rogers is in here. Walter Pigeon, Celeste Holm. It's it's just it's it's a nice nostalgic musical. Uh, wait, Duck book? Dynasty is yeah. uh, really running out of steam, folks. I mean, come on now, you got to admit, yeah. Duck Dynasty. The guy, yeah. uh, the guy keeps saying ridiculous things and uh, getting himself in the in the newspapers for the wrong yeah. reason. And I'm uh, not a big fan. So Duck Dynasty season six is just more Duck Commander stuff with the family, and one of them graduates college, and and uh, with the girls and it's just one of them's on Dancing with the Stars and yeah. it's just I just think it's time to move this thing along and uh, send it to its grave um, this includes uh, uh, a couple of really lame special features it is on Blu-ray which is nice but uh, not that this has to be on Blu-ray but nine episodes two discs lame Dark Dynasty not into it um wait there's a show called The 100 which is out on Blu-ray this is one of those CW shows that mm-hmm. we always make fun of and uh, it's about the, the, there was the, you know nuclear holocaust happened like a hundred years ago, and the remaining the remaining survivors of humanity mm-hmm. live on an ark, and it's a space station. It's called the Ark. It's a space station, and they live on the space station, and do their crap. And then what happens is um, they take a hundred of these people and they send them back to Earth, so they have to survive on this crazy wild new place where there's radiation and there's you know there's animals and there's you know crazy stuff going on so it's a little much in terms of like that's a long way to go for a concept for a show but it's a little bit like um battlestar galactica which we just talked about it meets Mm -hmm. like survivor because they're on a spaceship and then they get sent back to earth where they've got to like survive so as usual this is one of the cw shows where all the women are hot and all the guys are handsome and, uh, like it, real life. Like real life. Yeah. It did get picked up for another season. Uh, I, 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 I didn't watch all this, obviously. I just kind of skimmed it. This stuff is really not my cup of tea. But um, I think it could be kind of interesting. Some of it was kind of interesting. Some of the, um, some of the girls, I think, might have a shot at breaking out into movies if they uh, continue to learn their craft well, good on, for them. on crap like this. Good for them. So, uh, yeah, 100. It's okay. Uh, the the really really big TV release of the week is the long awaited uh, epic release of the complete Wonder Years. What are you showing? Oh my goodness! Really, you <laughs> just, had to show me that I picture. Just wanted to see how you'd react. Are you serious? <laughs> oh, thank you for that. That's something we can't even share with we the listeners. Uh, I just I just wanted to, I, I I was I showed way to photograph. Of somebody, of the wife of somebody we know. Oh my gosh! In an unflattering photograph, <laughs> I just wanted to see if I can get Wade to react oh. in some like spit take, spitting his drink out onto his computer console sort of way. Uh, he did not. I just don't even know what to make of that. I really <laughs> you don't. You make a lot out of it, as it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm done. 
that's wrong. Okay. So the wonder years, is, I, can't, I can't even go on with life now. I just, I'm going to go end it all. <sighs> Thank you. Oh, stop it. No more. See, see this. I'm sorry, folks. It's not fair to have like an inside joke that only Wade and I can see. Oh, dear. Okay. So the wonder years. I mean, that's it, joke's over. That's it. There's no point. The Wonder Years, who cares? There are no more Wonder Years. We're all doomed. The Wonder Years complete series is out right now. And uh, it's, it's, it, it, honest, honestly, it's the funniest thing in the world. The, the box shows up. And I'm like, wow, this is really heavy. I wonder what's in this. It's like, this is, you know, this is a big box. It's very heavy. It obviously had DVDs in it. It was coming from one of the distributors, from one of the, uh, the, uh, the uh, you know, the places the, where they, the distribu- distribution houses. And I open it. It's a, it's a locker. It's a full-on little mini metal high school locker. Cool. It, the whole thing comes in this metal locker. You're never going to find room on a shelf for it. You just won't. So if you're a Wonder Years fan, just be resigned to the fact that you're going to have this little metal locker and you're going to stick it in a closet somewhere and it's the only place it's ever going to fit. It's a metal locker. Uh, so they really obviously realized that people love the Wonder Years and they went all out and they finally cleared all the music issues and everything is all cleared up. And they did a number on this thing and it, it's just beautifully done. It's beautifully mastered. This is from you know Star Vista and Time Life who of course did such a great job with... Uh, uh, China Beach and and the uh, Dean Martin roasts and all that and it's just fantastic. It's loaded with extras and the locker is intimidating and you get this uh, really you get, you get cool little magnets on each locker that are like custom designed and uh, I, I'll say this: I still don't like the show. After all that, after all that, I still don't like the show. It does it just doesn't do anything for me. I didn't care for it at the time. It doesn't really do much for me now. Um, but you know, whatever. You get all this, all this junk in there. You get like you know, t-shirt and tube socks and uh, a little commemorative patch and you know, all this stuff that goes in the locker that would normally be in a locker, and uh, tons of extras. And uh, I, you know, it's great for people who love the show. I mean, I'm glad that it's all out there. But it's it, uh, you know, you got to really love the show. It's not gonna this 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 is not gonna make you rediscover the show and. Turn into something that it wasn't at the time. You so. know, s- s- speaking of love, love the show. Yeah, it kills me, Wade. Yes. I am personally disappointed in, what? in you. Why? Because on Friday, yes, October tenth, yes, at the Saban Theater, yes. here in Los Angeles, yes. Now that used to be the Wilshire Theater, sure, That's the one on Wilshire and uh, La Cienega. Yep. Wade live what? at the Saban Theater. Tickets still available. How can you not? Are you Tom, kidding me? Tom Jones, Jerry Lewis. I, I have a baby. Jerry. Who's actually now a toddler? Okay, if it was Tom Jones, would you be like, "Oh, I'm going"? I didn't know that. I'm no, go. I wouldn't be able to even see Tom Jones. No, I, 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 no that doesn't it simply doesn't work. But I would love to. Would you go and and, and uh, live stream it on your phone to to me? Uh, you know what's funny is that <laughs> it, it, it it's it's on a Friday, but of course, since I'm like a dateless wonder, that I, I'm yeah. sure I'll have nothing to do on Friday. Do it. I would actually consider going. Just do this. Get your phone. Get it. Get on Facetime. Call me on Facetime and just hold it up. And I, mean, I will enjoy it more is, than you. Is he going to sing? Probably. Are sing? He's probably just going to... They don't know what he's going to do. He's probably going to be completely off the wall and unpredictable. You should go. You should go. And live stream it to me. So The Mentalist, uh, season six. You know, this show just keeps on going. It really does. 
it just it just keeps on going. This is actually not a bad season because everything else is always kind of seems to be you know treading water. And, and they finally Simon Baker, of course, wonderful Australian actor who uh, stars in this thing and who I see shopping at Whole Foods every once in a while. Uh, Simon Baker um, he discovers you know well as Patrick Jane the character Patrick Jane he discovers who killed his family. So, <gasps> so the whole thing kind of comes together and you know there's a bit of a relaunch of the of the whole show's sensibilities in this. So it's a it's a it is a more significant series uh, or a season in the series than uh, you might uh, otherwise think. Anyway, um, yeah, so uh, nice little uh, featurette on here and some unaired scenes which don't really make any difference, but otherwise uh, The Mentalist uh, Season 6 is probably worth checking out. Okay, Wade. Yeah. At the Saban Theater. Um, Well, actually it's tonight. (laughs) Oh, really? Saban Theater, Paul Anka. Uh, That's great. No? I like Paul Anka, but I'm not going to pay money to see Paul Anka. I have Paul Anka albums on my on my on, on MP3. You can say that about any I know, artist but, that you but, see live. But yeah, Paul, but yeah, but like so live Paul Anka isn't really going to make a difference. He wrote the Tonight Show theme. Da, I know. Da, 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 I know. Da, 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 da. I know he did. Anyway, he also wrote My Way. I did it. Well, he actually wrote the lyrics to My Way. He didn't write the music because the music is originally a French pop song. Well, that's not you good. know. But he did write the Tonight Show theme. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's finish off TV as quick as we can. We still have a, a few other things we gotta gotta plow through. Uh, Adventure Time, the complete fourth season, still creeps me out. The uh, the artwork on this thing is done by uh, by mentally deranged twelve year olds. I don't understand why. I, it, look, I get it. It's 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 a well written show and it's uh, it's got some cool cool edges to it. And I know people who dress up like these characters with their kids for Halloween and and good for you. I'm really glad, but I just it, I cannot get past the artwork. It creeps me out. Uh, so is that really the reason why you? It really to? is. It's it's entirely the artwork. It just it's wrong. It's like it came out of somebody's d- distended dream. I can't I can't figure it out. Uh, commentaries and uh, featurette and and that's uh, basically all you get. But Cartoon Network, the uh, fourth uh, season of Adventure Time, is out on Blu-ray. Uh, go knock yourself out. I won't be sharing your 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 glee. I won't be sharing in your bliss. Oh wait! Just when you thought that um, Josh Hartnett was just like dead and gone and 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 and. Slinging coffee at Starbucks. Yeah. Here he comes in Showtime's Penny Dreadful, which is now on Blu-ray for a season. This is a uh, this is an interesting show. It's actually it's a little bit silly, but it's actually kind of uh, kind of interesting. It's um, you put together Dorian Gray, Doctor Frankenstein, sure, and uh, you know turns out that they're all and Dracula. Turns out they're all hanging out in London. Oh, Victoria really? Or London. Well, there we go. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> there we go. So basically, it's, so it's based on a true story. So uh, it's so tired of the the, the, the classic monster you know, revisionism. I'm just I get it, but you know what? It's 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 well shot. The production design is great. Um, the story is decent. The Blu-ray has a lot of good extras. Um, a lot of extras, actually, the special features. So I don't know, man. I think there might be something here. In terms of um, future series, future future uh, yeah. future yeah. Well, the thing is that is that the, is that it has since it's dealing with fictional characters, it has places to go because you can always introduce more fictional characters. It just seems like a really interesting cult show, and it's got a lot of gore, which I know you like. Mm-hmm. And yes, as I was saying, yes, it's kind of silly, but it's pretty spectacularly done, at least from a you know behind the scenes standpoint, and uh, it's good. It's really not that bad. Penny Dreadful. Very surprised. All right. 
Now, Wade, I know when you, when you thought, uh, oh, look, they're making a uh, TV show out of Psycho. And they're calling it Bates Motel. You were like, I can't wait. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll say this. Both Hannibal and Bates Motel have surprised me. Yeah, they're not bad. They, yeah, they, I, the, the fact that they took two serial killer concepts, both of them based on, you know, uh, Ed Gein, and they are. Ed Gein's the inspiration for Science of the Lambs and uh, uh, Psycho. I, I, two series that take, you know, that are adapted from movie series that are, are basically based on the same thing. I, I think they both done a very good job. Yeah, it's funny because, like, I, I don't. I never thought I really wanted to know what Norman Bates was like growing up. I felt like he existed in Psycho 1. Forget the sequels. Good actors. That's what it's all about. Well, Freddie Highsmith is... Uh, he's really good. He's one of those kids, this British guy, British kid. He starred in uh, the, whatever his breakout was. I it, well, was. The, the breakout was the Johnny Depp thing, uh, Finding Neverland. That's right. Yeah. And you're like, man, this kid's going to win Oscars someday. Yeah. Now he's kind of slumming it a little bit on TV. Like, a really, bit. from like a Johnny Depp, Finding Neverland, which is a movie I just absolutely yeah. adore, to like, oh, let's do an A&E show. Yeah. It's a bit of a come down, but... It's a good show, and you know, obviously, uh, Wade and myself, along with the other members of LAFCA, love Vera Farmiga, mm-hmm. and she's in it too, as sure uh, Norman Bates' uh, mother. So uh, it's really not a bad show. It's got a crazy energy to it. Um, it's totally, it's not even remotely like the movie, so forget that part, but it's got a certain amount of wit to it. Uh, it's very, the drama's pretty out there, kind of heightened, but Freddie Highmore is great, mm-hmm. and uh, it's really not bad. Yep. Very surprised. Awesome. Power Rangers in Space, Volume 2. Oh, I know. Everybody's like, where are those last 20-some-odd episodes? Because I've had Volume 1, and I don't know what happens in the rest of Power Rangers in Space. And sure enough, it's amazing. You know what happens in, at the end of Power Rangers in Space? Uh, they go, Hi. So, so uh, Jose and Matilda, they, they go on a vacation to the Bahamas. No, wait a minute. That's a different show. Never mind. Uh, Power Rangers in Space. Yeah, it's the same stuff. That what, show is, what, what show is Jose and Matilda? I don't know. <laughs> What's that even anything? It's nothing. It's yeah. It's all. It's the Jose same. It's the same crap. It's the same stuff. Uh, so uh, anyway. I just wonder what happened to Jose and Matilda. It's very exciting stuff. Yeah. Right. See. See. Bahamas. Jose and Matilda. Right. See. It's it's interesting to you when I put it that way. Anyway, uh, so yeah, there, there's, there's uh, the whole thing here is that Zordon has been uh, kidnapped and uh, the Rangers have to get onto a space shuttle and go rescue him. And, and good for them. Good for them. Uh, those outfits, right? Don't you want to wear one? Fluh. Fluh. It's amazing how the costumes have changed over the, uh, the history of the Power Rangers. Anyway, Power Rangers in Space, Volume 2, same, same old thing. And uh, then we got Danny K, the best of the Danny K show. This is uh, six completely uncut episodes. Um, some stuff here that I don't believe was ever originally aired, or if it was, it wasn't aired uh, a second time. And uh, the Danny K show was uh, from the mid '60s, and it was uh, a, a very pleasant variety show from an era when everything was a variety show, and uh, a lot of great, uh, great guests here. I mean, Ella Fitzgerald and and Gene Kelly and Liza Minnelli, and uh, you even get Rod Serling showing up in here. It's, uh, I'll tell you, it, this is, it, it, Danny Kay was just about to turn 40 at the time, and he already had a, a very, very prestigious career behind him from the 1940s, a big movie star. And you know what? He's still funny, and he's exactly what they needed on television in the 60s, and six shows makes me think I want the whole series. I want the whole run of the Danny Kay show, not just the best. I want the whole thing, so get on that. Wait, uh, the good folks at uh, Scream Factory have uh, given us Hemlock, <clears throat> Hemlock Grove. Season one. Now, um, 
I know that uh, we've been big fans of uh, Netflix. They've done some great shows. They've picked up some great documentaries. We talked about one of them earlier in Battered Bastards of Baseball. Yep. So they have a good batting average, but they are not batting 1,000. Because I have to say that Hemlock Grove, which was uh, executive produced by Eli, Eli Roth, is okay. It takes place in uh, Pennsylvania, this fictional town. A bunch of murders happened. And, um, you know, this guy who is sort of heir to the town's, you know, one of, one of the town's great fortunes. Uh, helps solve, uh, hopefully helps solve the murders. Um, it's got a good cast. Lily Taylor's in it. Famke Jansen's in it. Um, so there's definitely, a D- Doug Ray Scott is in it. So there's, there's good people in it, but um, I think this thing is pretty mixed. It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a mess. Um, it's a little slow to get started. Uh, season two will, will, hopefully things will start to kind of speed up a little bit. Yep. Um, I also found it a little bit corny at times, and uh, I just think this thing is a bit of a misfire for them. I mean, you know, they can't all be gems. They've done a great job, Netflix, but Hemlock Grove is just not really, uh, well. not really good enough. But um, there's a bunch of bonus features, including commentary um, with Eli Roth and a couple of featurettes. All right, last couple of little ditties are uh, classic move for classic movie fans. And we've got uh, the amazing 75th anniversary Gone with the Wind uh, Ultimate Collector's Edition, which is one of those great big boxes that Warner Brothers puts their, uh, their very special stuff in. Put it on top of the other boxes. Put it on top of, you know, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and all that stuff. Um, this is, you know, we, this is like the fourth Gone with the Wind special edition set. So it's, if you have any of the previous Blu-rays, I don't know that you really need to upgrade. Uh, more interesting is the is the, the the coffee table book on the making of Gone with the Wind, which just came out. That is a more interesting thing, and I'm I'm working on getting that for our, our, our gift guide. But uh, I, you know, this thing is if you don't have any of the previous uh, releases, I guess this is the one to get. Then it's loaded with stuff. Um, the transfer is still absolutely gorgeous. It's the same transfer that previous uh, Blu-rays have had. Certainly, if they made any changes to it, they are not evident. But um, the the uh, the set itself is absolutely gorgeous. The uh, the the again the box is impossible to fit anywhere. But um, you know, go for it. I, I I don't like the movie. I've never particularly liked the movie. Um, Mark, I don't know. What do we say about Gone with the Winds? Like the most successful Gone film with the ever wind. made. It's Gone by, with the Wind. By, now, if you, uh, if you tally it up by ticket sales, Gone with the Wind, of course, no, it is runs away with it. It's, it's not even. It's not, not even popular yeah. film of all time. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you get uh, just tons of stuff here. It's just it's out of control. I don't know what else to tell you. It's 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 Gone with the Wind. It's it is what it is. Anyway, and then lastly, before we uh, sign off for next week. Uh, I am much more excited about the Audrey Hepburn collection on Blu-ray. This is a uh, beautiful combination of Breakfast at Tiffany's, Funny Face, and Sabrina. Winners all three in a nice slim uh, case. You can't go wrong here. Uh, Sabrina is still incredibly charming. Funny Face is a delight. It's a beautiful color film. Fred Astaire, uh, his, he just, he, Audrey Hepburn brings out the best in him. And uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, despite the politically incorrect performance by Mickey Rooney, as a, as a Japanese-American, which is just is keep, makes people cringe today. Still a wonderful film. Amazing Henry Mancini score. And uh, all three of these are just gorgeous on Blu-ray. It just doesn't get any better. Audrey Hepburn would have had her uh, 79th birthday. No, 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 no. Her uh, 80-something. I don't know. Whatever it was. Are you, are you asking me? It's her birthday. She would have had a birthday recently. Uh, hang on. Give me a second. I'll figure that Tell out Tell me what you. it would have been. Tell me what it would have been. Audrey Hepburn? Yeah. She was born on January 20th. Well, never mind. No, wait. She was born on May 4th. 
Born on May 4th. I thought it would have been her birthday recently. Never. You see? What do I know? Well, I mean, cosmic terms, yes, recently. That is I, true. See, I thought, I, honestly, I thought it would have been an Audrey Hepburn birthday recently. I thought I, thought I read something. Well, well no see, I know nothing. Here's what people care about. Yeah. Right now, while you're droning on about whatever yeah. the hell, I see that there is a, a, an orchestra seat for Jerry Lewis at the Sublime Theater for 46 bucks. Should I spend 46 Okay. I don't have a date. I'm a dateless wonder. I don't know what the hell I'm You know doing. what? You know what? You may find the woman of your dreams I, at the Jerry Lewis. You're going to be there, and there's going to be a woman I will next to you who's going to be like, hi, and then... I will be the youngest person there by probably 30 years. It's possible, but you never know. I got to do it, right? You got to do it. I mean, how can I not? Do it. I will let everyone know. You do it. I'm looking at it right now. Do it. 